0: The theme for the evening talk is the wonder of emptiness. Um, Just before I uh, begin, if I may, I'd like to give a uh, um, short public health warning for later this evening. And um, those of you who have had the energy to uh, stay up for the uh, late uh, sitting from 9... 50 or so till 10.20 or so, uh, each of the evenings, sometimes half of you, two-thirds of you will have uh, listened to some uh, uh, meditative kind of music and some rather lovely pieces uh, have been uh, uh, selected. Um, um, And the public health warning is that um, that may all change tonight. And... And um, and you may even think after I read out to you what's going to be played that there was probably a typographical error on the um, title of the retreat for this year and it should have been um, born after July the 4th, 1984 or something. So anyway, these are the, these are the titles. And um, I was um, inspired because... Being a uh, dyed in the wool um, here and now Walla, for uh, so many years, I saw this uh, C, uh, CD in the uh, uh, shop on my uh, visit to Cambridge a couple of days ago. And as soon as I saw the word now on it, I thought, well, uh, and, and then I uh, looked at it and saw too that uh, and my daughter, uh, just loves these uh, compilations of uh, um, music, so I thought, well, why not? Um, <laughs> um, um, I, one of them is the, the Spice Girls, but I thought, no, that, no, <laughs> no, that, no, it isn't. I, I was so tempted because I could guarantee so much squirming, but um, um, I've, I've left that one out. And... So the first is, this is a sign of getting old, by the way, when you can't read the <laughs> print, you really realise this is for a special market. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, so um, the titles are, one is by the New uh, Radicals, um, You Get What You Give, which is not a bad title. The other is by um, Robin Williams, and it's called uh, Millennium, and I can tell you the song has got nothing to do about the millennium. The third is Sensonic, and it's called Closing Time, and that seems to be about drinking. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the fourth is You uh, Too, and that's about the, the sweetest thing. Um, I'm not quite sure what that is. And then um, the... Um, final is Sheryl uh, Crow, and uh, it's called My Favorite Mistake. Uh, I think that was her last retreat. And, uh... <laughs> so I've, I've, I've made the public uh, announcement. You, you have been warned, and some of you may wish to keep as far away from this hall as as, uh, pos- as possible. So. That you did get advanced warning there. And the other um, um, small thing, I also have a, I suppose, uh, I have an apology or whatever uh, to make. And um, a little bit, my daughter again, if I may say, a uh, little bit of background uh, uh, to this, as many teen- teenagers uh, at this time taking their exams, in this case uh, pre-university uh, exams, And in in Britain, uh, which I think, as most of you know, has never had much enthusiasm for living in the present and has always preferred living in the past. (laughs) Uh, And and there's no better reflection of this than in our educational system, which um, has um, remained um, uh, uh, unchanged since the Armada in the 16th century. (laughs) And... Students have to guess what their grades will be. Just think about it. They have to guess what their grades will be. And then they apply to university, and then the university sees them, interviews them. Then uh, they get accepted. And then, throughout the whole country, hundreds of thousands of young people are waiting for August the 18th, which was uh, yesterday, or 19th, for the results. If they get the result that they wanted, that they predicted, and that they told the university, then they can go to university. And if they don't, then there is this mad scramble throughout the whole country to get into somewhere with the grades that they got. This is, this is you know, I mean, it, it is, it, it's an insult to call it medieval. And... <laughs> So all these hundreds of thousands of 17, 18-year-olds are all waiting for the day, and yesterday was the uh, uh, was, was the day. So I'm, I'm a parent, uh, and uh, uh, so I uh, uh, the children went to the school. They all get given um, a white envelope, and in the white envelope is a piece of paper, and that paper says the subjects and the grades that they got. So that all down there, and my my daughter with all of her mates, and and they're they're shaking so much they can't even, you know, get the thing unstuck. (laughs) So um, they went off apparently in all different corners and all open up, and then they're screaming and yelling and all the caboodle that uh, goes on with these uh, 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 things. And uh, my daughter's wish and great conviction is to uh, go into... uh, um, university hospital for nursing and midwifery and her heart's absolutely set on doing this and she had to get two passes to get in. So this is what she was uh, uh, waiting for. And having had some of these talk about schooling and education and some of my right uh, comments, that I do have a confession to make. (laughs) And the confession that I have to, to make is she got her two passes, and her dad was thrilled to bits. <laughs> so I uh, um, so talking with her on the, on the phone uh, 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 half an hour yesterday, and, and uh, again today, and because doing what she's doing, she only gets five weeks off uh, uh, a year, and it's not like a university year, she's based in three hospitals as well as the university. And I said, my God, some of you will know, you're parents and you've seen that transition uh, yourself. I said, my God, what's the house going to be like? No rap music, no Tupac playing morning, noon and night. <laughs> because that's what's... The house, forget Buddha, Tupac everywhere. <laughs> No more complete chaos and untidiness. No more MTV, and no more all of her mates ringing up morning, noon, and night when I'm fast asleep, wanting to talk with her because they're waiting for something. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it's going to be a, a different world uh, when I uh, when I uh, uh, re- return home. There and uh, just before I came came here, she said, uh, "Not so much this. Oh, the pants actually from India." She said she said to me, "I don't get it." She said, "Every year she go." Uh, I go to India. I mean, I love India. I go to India every, every year. And actually, I took Nishwana when she was five months uh, old. I, I wanted her to get up to a good start in life. <laughs> and she said, go to India. And she said, when you're in India, you wear Indian clothes. You know, the collars are there and Indian pants, the coloured pants and sandals and, and, and shorts. She said, but you come back and you're still wearing... Uh, Indian clothes. And she said, why, why do you wear them in the, in, in the West? That's what you do in India, in the West. And I said, Look, darling, there's something that I, I have to tell you your daddy's a cross dresser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what was the title? Oh, yes. <laughs> In fact, after we after after we finish uh, here, um, uh, Sharda and I we uh, fly out. Uh, in fact, tomorrow evening to go to the, the, the west coast, and on this uh, Sunday I give a, a, a one day a, a, a workshop, and I said, Sharda said to me, "Do you know do you know what the, what the title of the work, work workshop is?" And and I couldn't remember, so we checked out with the in, uh, in, in, inquiring mind. And, I mean, it's really helpful to know these things if you're teaching. And um, the, 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 the title of the workshop is, Am I Living in the Real World? And I thought to myself, no, oh, there's no better place on earth than California to give such a reward. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Andrew. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Anyway, get back to the talk. <laughs> I've got another half hour to go. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes we hear on themes of, uh, of uh, em- emptiness. And unfortunately, it is rather unfortunate, that um, quite often in the English language association with it, quite un- unfortunately, it is easily misconstrued and misunderstood, and even in the Buddhist world at times as well, with something in a negative way of, 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 of looking. And that's a li- little bit because of feelings and perceptions and uh, uh, kinds of language that we use. So sometimes, quite understandably, we say to ourselves, or say to other people, today I'm feeling rather uh, empty and, uh, and just feel that my, my, well, my life feels empty uh, in some way or... Other, there's something really missing uh, in, in my life. So the very language which we uh, use has a particular kind of connotation there. And so easily and understandably it then moves and shifts itself into the Dharma language which, uh, in which emptiness is uh, uh, used uh, quite uh, frequently from the, from the Buddha, from his great successors Nagarjuna, the Majamika tradition, <coughs> etc., And there's another utterly different way of giving consideration to it. It's a language synonymous with liberation. And in that, it's a a way of understanding our life at every uh, level and also appreciating uh, the wonder and the great significance of uh, what emptiness is. And in the teaching and um, uh, exploration of emptiness, it takes different expressions... And the Buddha has used very frequently a, a, an important and rather profound statement. He, he, he has said, one is aware of what is present, and any, which, of course, we emphasize and speak of frequently, but one is also, and equally, one is aware of what is not present. Many times, one is aware of what is not present. And he uses examples, uh, you know, simple and, and self-evident uh, uh, examples, that we're in living in the world, there is the, the, the present moment there, and we might say, in this, in this present moment here, there is obviously much absence, it is empty of much else. The emptiness of much else, all the other things which are not to our eyes and ears, the absence of that, the emptiness, uh, all of that, makes and helps and enables all this to, to stand out. So things must be in their absence, for things to be in their presence and this dynamic of the relationship to life of absence and presence meets and challenges every single one of us about anything and and everything and sometimes it it, it shows itself um, in the difficult uh, circumstances in the diff- and the and and the very difficult uh, events of of life and the simple and 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 sadly not an unusual uh, uh, example. Christina Christina uh, Feldman, who's uh, co-founder with myself of Guy House, guiding teacher here at uh, I- IMS, and coming, of course, uh, as long as I have uh, to IMS. After teaching here and then having the um, a meeting with the other guiding teachers, flew to uh, Canada, where she has uh, family, and. Um, Anne Ashton who is my secretary was house sitting at her home and while at uh, uh, Gaia House working at Gaia House during the the day uh, a burglar broke into uh, Christina's house this is just two weeks ago and as uh, these people will will do uh, took everything he could get his hands on the value and uh, the laptop and the video recorder, um, uh, other uh, machinery, and of course, as they do as well, pull the drawers out and make an absolute m- mess of everything and, and, and everything. I mean, ugly and invasive uh, and all of that. Uh, neighbor, neighbor, all the neighbours were asked, Didn't only just saw a, a teenager, 18, 19-year-old, crossing the field there, but didn't see him carrying anything, and the assumption is that that's what happened. He wasn't spotted, and there's a car on a track nearby, probably, and this is where her, her various items went. And, uh, and uh, Anne came back to uh, that uh, house, walked in, immediately saw you know, the house had been turned over, and of course had no idea whether the thief was actually upstairs or, or, or whatever. And all of that it triggers in, in that And that, among countless other examples in our life where we have a relationship to, relationship to our home, relationship to the items and goods that we use. There's the presence of them. There is, of course, in that the absence of much else in life. And many of the things that you and I do have regular contact with will be a passing feature of our life. And goods as much as people, etc., so we're living in this world of presence and absence of. And sometimes in the presence of whatever, we easily can take things for granted. And a tendency to take presence for granted, uh, of course, can, in the loss of what's taken for granted, then become very painful. We've only felt the pleasantness. We've only felt the sustained contact with. We've only felt the comfort with. We only have felt the use of, the regularity of, and then something happens, and in this case uh, uh, the burglary while uh, Christina is uh, in North America, and then having to face, unexpectedly, and no choice or whatever, uh, the absence of. And, and it's just one example, as I said, of presence and absence there, and that life is all about that, so there's presence at times, and there's the absence of it, the emptiness of, uh, of uh, things. That was there is no longer there. The policemen, incidentally, they, of course, brought in the forensic people and just said, there are glove prints uh, in every room, so uh, nothing could uh, work from that. And then the policeman officer, the detective, made an extraordinary odd comment to Anne. He said, oh, don't tell the Feldmans um, that there's been a burglary Burglary. it will spoil their holiday you know, as, as though you know, they they just come back home well <laughs> and you know it's just another day isn't it oh whatever <laughs> uh, and, and, and of course as Anne said who knows if they've t- taken uh, whatever visa cards or jewellery or or savings in a box, or or, or whatever, and of course naturally she rang immediately and uh, and 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 checking everything out. That other things were still there, which need to be there, and I just use it amongst one and, and plenty of people have had these kind of experiences, where it takes quite a, a firmness and 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 steadiness, and especially an intention in a way and an attitude of life a relationship. So not taking people and things for granted. We, we, the mind, in, it, in its habit, and that's all it could be, gives continuity to where there may not be continuity. And therefore, although we often speak of impermanence, uh, once again, the precise language, which is anicca, nicca means permanent, precisely it is not permanent. It's not lasting. It's not having continuity or whatever. And this perception, this way of of looking, of a not taking things for granted, and b recognizing the non permanence of situations. Whether it's the daughter uh, leaving home, or and and Christina's daughter incidentally did marvelously uh, well with her. Uh, uh, a levels. I must put in the word for Sarah. They, they were born within six weeks of each other, the two kids, in the community years ago, and uh, got three A's for her there. And um, she, she, um, she will be Prime Minister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Sean will be her midwife. And um, <laughs> so, in situations uh, like that, Sometimes it's important uh, in life to stop and be steady and still and to really ask, with that which we appreciate, that which we like, that, which, which, that or who or whatever we are connected, connected with, in any way whatsoever, is there any background of assumption being made? In this case, the assumption of continuity. And how many times have you and I been, whatever, to a funeral or whatever? There was that person's presence. And one of the thoughts that easily arise in the bereavement and the death of a loved one is, if only. If only I had made a bit more contact. If only I had written that letter I said I was going to do. If only I would passed uh, uh, some, some love or greetings or appreciations uh, uh, on. And sometimes it's just too, too late. And similarly with relationship. And, the, and afterwards comes the re- regret and sometimes the regret has come because of a long history of taking somebody for granted and the person has got fed up with it and just backstepped out of the situation. So the teachings keep reminding us and, and, and telling us and informing us again and again about the world of non-permanence and, and the world of our connections and relations, relationships to it. Equally, as we touch a little bit deeper with ourselves as well, the teachings of of emptiness especially and particularly uh, applies um, to matters of the ego. Matters of the uh, ego. And there's a tremendous focus and priority uh, given to those areas of our our ego, of the sense of I, uh, me, and my And sometimes, once again, there's a movement in the inner life and one starts focusing on something that I want. When we are focusing on something that I want and there's pressure and holding, going along with it, in that time, we can't see the emptiness of it. We're actually so solidly identified with the movement that's going on. The emptiness, we can't see the emptiness of it. And the movement brings that, as I mentioned the other evening, the preoccupation with the result. Part of the power of mind, it's a Buddhist word here, power of mind. The great city of the mind, those of you who know the word city, means the same thing. The great power of the mind is being able to stop right in the now, right in the very moment, and to look at that force that's going on inside of us which seems everything matters in terms of succeeding what I want. And looking at that force and having the capacity and the insight to see the emptiness of it. And think how many situations that go on in our life where something seems such a drama at the time for us. And we've really... My goodness, we've looked back over that incident, over that situation, and we said to ourselves, and we said to others my God, I was so caught up in it. I was so trapped in it, I was so involved uh, in it. And then time has come gone by. There is hindsight and, there, and therefore uh, and some clarity and some insight. And said, How could I have got myself into such a mess? How could I have got myself into such a complexity, such a confusion, such uh, an anger, such a fear, such a preoccupation or whatever? And so sometimes there is the space afterwards that comes and we have the capacity to look back over and see what was going on that means in Dharma language exactly the same thing as seeing the emptiness of it. And seeing through it, when one sees through that, that whatever, it, whatever it was all about. Because we put so much care and emphasis in the present moment and a tremendous amount of effort to go along with it, hopefully all the effort we make all the attention that we give to the present moment will bring out an understanding which makes it effortless. A natural understanding which comes out of our innermost being, out of the depth of our being, that as soon as the mind begins to go, as the Buddha said, into Mara's pasture, he called it, meaning it's going beyond the point of wisdom, as soon as it begins to go there with the ego, the I, the me, the my, and one and picking up the signal that it's trouble in the near or in the present or near future. The signal of trouble uh, is there. We pick up that signal, hopefully, either with effort or because natural understanding, it comes in very quickly. The dissolving of it is the same thing as seeing the emptiness of it, whatever it might be. And everyone, I'm sure all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, and we take a look at ourselves, we can say with a hand on our heart, I know there are areas in my life which I need extra vigilance about. There are areas in my life which I need to take extra care with. It might be my attitude, it might be my pattern, it might be my tendency, uh, it might be my neediness, it might be my longing, it might be my aversion, or whatever. And therefore, in, in awareness, when we work with it, the dissolution is showing the emptiness of it. And therefore, to keep rediscovering the uh, uh, emptiness of holding, the emptiness of the, of the clinging, or whatever, whatever it might might be. Sometimes I was just a meeting with the staff just before uh, coming uh, uh, into talk with you, and um, I was one of the, we were just touching the, the Dharma and the expansion of the Dharma in various places in various uh, uh, parts uh, parts of the world, and having the privilege of travelling. Um, Uh, rather extensively in Dharma Dharma service, I was mentioning uh, with regard to Burma. And and I think there's a kind of insightful lesson um, here uh, in a a particular incident which took place just a a, a few months ago uh, and uh, pointing in a way to the the same kind of thing about what the mind can do. Um, One of the teachers, Michelle, and I know Joseph has been... uh, Joseph Goldstein, co-founder here, and others have been in giving teachings uh, uh, in Burma and I think it's wonderful and, imp- and, imp- and important uh, 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 work there in a country which has one of the worst human rights records of any country on, on, on earth. The incident that I, I have in mind, how things in the mind, when we don't see well and clearly, get twisted. And this is the incident I want to make and in that, for you and I to look in our own life at how our mind can look at a situation, distort it and twist it for our own belief, our own convenience. And we actually believe strongly in what we've twisted. The example that I give uh, here is that uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, who has spent the past two years virtually under house arrest, she's we pass a our student, Insight Meditation uh, a student um, Nobel uh, Prize winner I uh, mentioned when I uh, uh, and elsewhere uh, two people uh, she's the firstly Fastenar student to get the Nobel Peace Prize and I uh, hope there will be several more of you later and uh, and she and her husband who's a Tibetologist, Buddhist at Oxford University um, is dying from uh, cancer and and, and died some some, um, uh, months ago. And he requested to the Burmese government permission, this is six weeks or two months before he died, to make the journey to Burma to see his wife, Aung uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, and to say, pay his respects, and to say uh, uh, goodbye. They have two uh, sons, late teens and in their 20s. And the Burmese government, as part of the campaign to undermine Aung San Suu Kyi, refused him permission to go. They, that is the Burmese government, then conducted a distorted and twisted campaign against Aung San Suu Kyi in the media, daily, and the essence of that twisted campaign was, why doesn't she go to Oxford to see her husband because she knows if she steps foot outside of Burma she will never ever get back in she is the symbol of hope for democracy social justice and human rights and environmental rights in Burma and she cannot leave it would be an utter betrayal of all the people there and as she said to me what keeps her going there is uh, just she just reflects on Nelson Mandela. That his twenty-seven years there on that island, internment, that whenever she thinks of her situation, she brings to mind him. And that helps, she says, a lot. And the other, she said, was her we passed in our practice. That's the one thing that's kept her steady uh, through, through all these years and, and the terrible suffering of her people and that many of her friends tortured and murdered. So they conducted this campaign and this campaign said if she really loved her husband she would go back to England. How could she possibly want him to come here and make such a long journey when he has cancer? The Burmese government won't permit a man to make such a long journey and suffer so much and Aung San Suu Chi obviously is so insensitive and uh, uh, and uh, and what a terrible uh, wife she is to her husband, etc., etc. The result of which, of course, uh, they didn't meet. The result was he died and, uh, and she was in Burma. Situations like that, and this distortion with the, uh, the Burmese government and using it as a campaign to undermine and discredit Aung San Suu Kyi. Sometimes, maybe less gross than that, less vulgar and crude than that, sometimes we do the same. Sometimes we have a dispute with somebody. We're having a difficulty with it. And then we take very selective information and we use it against that person. And we pick out things. They may be technically. Correct, sometimes, but there's a distortion that's going on through the inflation of it, through the exaggeration of it, through trying, through the communication to get the other person to feel negative, to share the same hostility, the same resentment, the same bitterness, the same cynicism, so it's a manipulation from our intention to distort, to pass it on to somebody else so that they have the same ugly mind as we have. We, we can't bear to live with our, our own ugly mind. Make, it makes us feel better if we can get others to do the same. And of course the governments of this world do it frequently with us in terms of creation of enemies. It's a manipulation of people's heart and mind and care and thought. And thoughtfulness, and it takes, again, a clarity and awareness to look honestly at ourselves when we do that through the spoken word or the written word or whatever, and to look at it and, and, and see what to see what to see, the emptiness of it. To really see through it so that we have a real commitment in our daily life that we do not wish to feed negativity. We do not wish to feed cynicism or bitterness or resentment. And sometimes all that we can do, either when others may be speaking about us in a cynical way, or when we're speaking about others, uh, to others, all all that we can do when that's going on is, as the tradition has reminded us again and again, the importance of observing noble silence to keep one's peace. To ensure in that, and it's never easy in that, that that by keeping one's peace, no matter what is actually going on uh, uh, around us, rather than come out with the outpourings of trying to manipulate somebody else and to believe, think, feel, view the same way as ourselves. And sometimes one says, but if I do that, I'm just suppressing. If I, do, I can't do that, if I'm just suppressing. And, it's, and when I dump on other people, then uh, uh, I'm not suppressing. One has to say, better to suppress than to feed the negativity into other people. But if we work with these things and we look at these things, we, we can see, again, the, uh, the ego, the I and the my, the in, in the investment. And one of the sure signs, I think, in the voice of criticism, sometimes people come on retreats and uh, in other situations, and every one of us has this in communications, where somebody may be quite critical of somebody else or a situation or a group or an organization or whatever, whatever it might be. And if there's negativity in it, if there's anger, if there's upset in it, the distortion that comes from all of, goes from all of that stops the ability to discern it stops the ability and what I mean by that in most situations with most people or groups or places or social environments, most situations have something in them which is valid and worthwhile. Something in them which is useful and helpful and important and to be recognized. When the mind is critical with the aversion, the negativity, the reactivity, the hatred, the resentment, we can't see it. I spoke about this a couple of nights ago. And therefore, it distorts the situation. When there is some clarity with us, We may see well what's what's wrong. We may see very well what we don't like. And And we need the freedom to express it, even if it sounds judgmental. We need the freedom to express it as well. But, if it's coming from an understanding of the emptiness of it all, it will allow some recognition of what's valid. It will see what is useful in that person or in that situation or whatever and it will have an ease in expressing it. But when the mind is in its distortions, the characteristic of our mind in a distorted mode is that it only can see one way. And the understanding of uh, the emptiness means the understanding of what the non takes a while to know this from within the non-duality i speak whatever I, whoever the i is with concern i speak with criticism i speak and point the finger i speak and hold a situation or oneself accountable whatever it might be if i understand empty, emptiness it will and therefore there's a deep space that goes with it it will allow the recognition of what's valid. It will allow the recognition of what's useful and beneficial and important and, and to be accepted and really seen and expressed. And one will express both. Whoever it is, whatever, whatever the situation is, sometimes we agree, past and present, some people it's, it's extraordinarily difficult. Sometimes we, we can pick the great villains out of history or 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 whatever what, whatever it might be, and I remember giving a, a talk on these themes and in, uh, and one person said at the end of the talk, I said, "Public talk do you have any have any questions and the person said, "Easily enough, understandably enough, but you 're talking about having." No enemies, you're talking about not uh, hating, not blaming, not condemning, you're talking uh, uh, about the non-creation of the, uh, of the enemy, uh, etc. Then the person said, what about Hitler? And I said, when I speak right across the board I mean all. And then she said, but Hitler, but Hitler, but Hitler. And one just has to remember what creates the Hitler. One thing creates Hitler's. Hatred. Negativity. That creates Hitler. And it continues to create the Hitlers of the world. If Hitler had received from babyhood, from childhood, love, 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 there could not be a Hitler. But when someone is receiving hatred, blame, condemnation, year in, year out, year in, year out, it creates that hatred and that rage against the world. And therefore, if I, as a human being, lay hatred on somebody, lay rage upon somebody, lay condemnation upon somebody, lay all the forces of negativity because of what he, she, they have done to me or my family or my country or or whatever, the hatred actually is a further contribution to the perpetuation of that which I say must stop. <coughs> my hatred made it in the first place. My condemnation, my my uh, uh, rage against, and all that, that goes on in the human psyche. And therefore, teachings keep reminding us and pointing us and telling us again and again to look at those kind of inner movements and to... And to see the emptiness of it, the uselessness of it, the hopelessness of it, so that we don't perpetuate that which we claim we want to stop. Sometimes, in the in the movement from the inner to the uh, uh, outer, there and that, the various expressions of of life, too. Again, sometimes we situations where something is niggling. Many things you have spent a week here. Plenty of things which have niggled you uh, um, uh, over over the days, in, in, in inwardly and out and uh, outwardly, and and often the mind's wish is to resolve the problem, and therefore something is irritating or niggling or whatever it might be, and in that movement that's going uh, on uh, inside of us, sometimes, like loads of other things in life, that goes on. And therefore, just like having whatever, whatever, a clean shirt or a pair of trousers or or whatever, sometimes they get a stain in them. Some friends were around my house one evening and... uh, Fred, Fred von Ullman, who teaches at Guy House, coming, I think, to teach here uh, next year. I don't think you will uh, mind me uh, uh, saying me. We uh, ran my house one evening and um, uh, having a, several of us having uh, talking together and, and the... Um, it's very rare, I'm sure. Little moments of unmindfulness and a glass of wine fell, o- fell over uh, uh, there on the carpet. And was very... Oh, Christopher, I'm very, very sorry. Very, very ap- uh, apologetic. And... And, and so as though one should be a little concerned or worried that before the carpet in this corner or whatever was this colour and now it's got a nice new shade uh, <laughs> uh, 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 to it. But sometimes we don't see that. We don't see it just a little modi- modification. <laughs> and um, that's, uh, that's, that's going on. And so another friend was rushing up to the cold water tap and like, no, I, th- I thought we were in Bosnia. The de- 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 <laughs> concerns that that, that, uh, that can go on, and sometimes in situations like like that, we don't see the insignificance of it, the irrelevance of it, the triviality of it, the utter unimportance of it. And and therefore, in that te- the, the teachings and the wonder of emptiness, is it acts for us and it serves for us as a truly liberating force. There's not something negative in it. It's, it's, a, it's a way of cutting through uh, all of that. It's a way of getting priorities right. It's a way of establishing a real wisdom in life because we see the emptiness of so much that is trivial and shows how trivial our life can be through little things which really matter and really hurt us and upset us, or, or, or whatever, just because one's got a 3,000-year-old a Ming dynasty cup and it <laughs> drops and it breaks. Who cares about it? <clears throat> should have broken centuries ago. <laughs> and so seeing in, and through all that, let's say, opens the life up. Sometimes the misunderstanding then goes a step further with emptiness, and that old mindset then comes in in another way, still misunderstanding the nature and the wonder of emptiness, when one then starts to draw a view, draw a conclusion. And the view and the conclusion is, oh, really what you're saying in the subtext of what you're saying, really, what you're really, really saying, as a Spice Girl say, what I really, really want, what I'm really, really saying. <laughs> is, what you're really, really saying is, nothing really matters. That's what you're saying, isn't it? <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing matters. It? Nagjuna said it fantastically. He said, that view, which is the distortion of the understanding of emptiness... He said, it is comparable, and let's never forget this beautiful uh, uh, statement written 1,700 uh, years ago by the the great Dharma teacher and commentator of of the Buddha and the Dharma teacher who is closest to the Vipassana tradition, Nagarjuna of all the teachers. He said, it's a person who takes the view and misunderstands emptiness and says emptiness means, oh, really nothing matters. Nothing matters at all is like a person who takes the medicine of emptiness, swallows it, and it doesn't dissolve in the stomach. It makes one sick. The mind gets distorted. Understand? Emptiness is the teaching for liberation. One misunderstands the wonder of emptiness as the liberator one takes emptiness and and instead of being the medicine which liberates, an idea is held on to, oh, what you're really saying is nothing really matters. That's what emptiness re- really means. It does not mean that what, whatsoever. And if we don't understand that, the emptiness will have a distorted impact on our life. We'll, we'll misunderstand what it means. And if we misunderstand what it means, the cost of it is shows itself in the absence of love and compassion. That's the costume of being too clever for our own good around this wonderful teaching of the the wonder of emptiness. To see things well and clearly and uh, freely and a certain kind of trust from that emptiness that what, as it were, flows from that emptiness which makes all things possible is something which is truly noble, truly interrelated. And the very indicator of emptiness from the human experience standpoint is how extraordinarily interconnected we feel with everybody and everything. That's the great wonder of of emptiness, that emptiness making everything possible, in other words, gives the extraordinary sense of the great interconnection of life. So powerful and strong that self, family, the nation-state all have to fit into that deep abiding sense with things. Therefore there's tremendous encouragement in the teachings over two and a half thousand years and and more to uh, uh, remind us of the great value and the great importance of seeing the emptiness of things, the emptiness of clinging, the emptiness of holding, the emptiness of taking anything for granted, the uh, emptiness of egotism in all of its ways, the emptiness of projecting hate or manipulating circumstances uh, because of the ego. We see the emptiness of all of that. It frees us up, and therefore it frees up the heart simultaneously. Sometimes the... um, Situations in life in that provide uh, all of us as a, as a kind of chance and opportunity to meditate upon, to contemplate upon. And if we genuinely meditate and contemplate on these things, I can assure you that the understanding will, will come. And therefore one appreciates why so many men and women for many, many generations have sat on the earth and walked on the earth and contemplated on these things and have looked into all these things of of, of living and come to such common elements of understanding, so many common features that begin to be understood and to be clear and to be truly present uh, in our our uh, daily life. And so our gatherings and our meetings here together over the days and other meetings with other teachers and in, in your own life it, the wonder of, the, of all of this is that virtually everything which is said and everything which you hear from us and everything which we speak about etc. and everything that we have listened to in the past from our teachers etc. nearly all of it the wonder is actually we pretty well know it already there isn't too much which is said which is totally out of the blue There isn't too much which has said which you and I haven't thought about before, haven't reflected on before, haven't said in some way before. About movement, about change, about being possessive and clinging, about the problems of anger, fear and confusion, about love and depth and awareness and wisdom and and connection and solitude and silence. All these themes that we touch on. Actually, they're all familiar because we're all alive and we're all in it together. Teachings are basically a reminder to every one of us. They are the things which matter to all of us. And that knowing they matter to all of us makes it a little bit more valuable and a bit more worthwhile just to meditate on, just to contemplate on. And therefore there's a wonder in seeing the emptiness which makes everything possible and brings the most deep and profound out of us as human beings. May your beings live with the wonder of things. May your beings be free from taking anything or anyone for granted. May your beings love the emptiness of it all. Let's have a couple of quiet minutes, shall we?